Hey there, Hightower Lowdown fans. This is Deanna, the internet nerd behind the Hightower Radio Lowdown. And we've been having a blast with our monthly live talk show, The Happy Hour at the Chat and Chew Cafe. And we are experimenting with sharing the show here in the podcast feed. This episode that you're about to hear features Representative Ro Khanna of California, and it is a great conversation between him and Hightower. So let us know what you think of listening to the Chat and Chew right here in the podcast feed that you're already subscribed to. You can drop me an email to deanna at jimhightower.com. And be sure to check out our other episodes of The Chat and Chew at HightowerLowdown.org slash chat and chew. That's HightowerLowdown.org slash chat and chew. Talk to you soon. Howdy ho, folks. Howdy ho. Howdy ho, America and points beyond. Who has power and what are they doing with it? Politics is not a natural act. That's right. That's right. I must admit, I've never heard that one from you. <laughs> There's so many feisty fighters against the greed heads and boneheads. So grab a libation, join the conversation. It's the personal side of politics, and it is surprisingly tasty. Indeed. Howdy ho, folks. Here we are again with another high tower, low down, happy hour at the Chat and Chew Cafe otherwise known as uh, my kitchen. But it's the round table that we welcome you to be a part of, particularly now because this is, we're in the dog days of summer, uh, which means a bunch uh, here in Texas. Uh, so we invite you to hydrate <laughs> as we discuss uh, with any kind of libation that you might want, anything from water to I've got my own uh, stereophonic beer here, a local brew made uh, here in Austin, Texas. So grab yourself a cool one. Uh, this is the 60th day of 100 degree plus. Uh, here in Austin, Texas. In fact, uh, even as we gather uh, here in the evening uh, in Austin tonight, it's about 103 uh, degrees. Uh, th this led uh, General, I believe it's General Sheridan, I'm not positive, but I think it was General Sheridan, who uh, was a uh, federal uh, soldier, uh, officer, uh, sent to Texas for something or other. Uh, and he allowed, as how after his tenure here, that he happened to own both Texas and hell. He would rent out Texas and live in hell. It's a better place, he thought. So that's uh, that's the situation that we're in. But uh, we've got a hot topic for you here tonight uh, for the roundtable discussion. We want you to be a part of it. Deanna, as always, DZ is right there. There she is. Ready? Hey. Yeah. Ready to take your uh, observations, insights, humor, anything you want to uh, throw into the into the party uh, here tonight. Yeah, I'm drinking something called Volley Tropical Mango. All I know is that my cousin Jack gave it to me and it has tequila in it. And so I'm yeah. happy. Um, but I also want to know uh, what everybody out there, where y'all are watching from, what you're drinking, bring it to the table. If you've got questions for Hightower and our guests tonight, um, leave them in the comments. I will be reading everything and fielding things, dropping it in there. 
whenever we've got something to say. So please let us know where are you watching? What are you drinking? Um, and also we noticed the, the uh, internet connection is a little bit funky tonight. So we're working on that. Um, but just uh, take it away. I think. Yeah, well, we got some rubber bands that are going to connect to the internet. It'll be all right down the road. So the topic tonight is whither, whither, mm. sort of Shakespearean word, whither the Democratic Party. We got the establishment uh, within that party, the consultants, the money people, uh, et cetera, saying, go slow, go low, go to the moderate middle. But we've got a happy hour compadre tonight who says that, that that leads to the withering of the Democratic Party. As I've often said, the, uh, the real political spectrum in America is not right to left. Woody Guthrie said right wing, chicken wing, doesn't mean anything to me. But the real political spectrum is top to bottom. Now, that's where most people actually live. That's experience, uh, not theory. And our guest tonight is a fellow who says it's not a matter of going right to left. It's a matter of going to the people. Why don't the Democratic Party get back out with the people themselves again? And that's the thing I love about our happy hour chats is that we get to meet so many interesting people uh, that that. That that are, that are not they're well known, but they're 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 not known in the progressive movement as fully as they need to be, and that's why we bring them on to the air with us, emerging progressive leaders who actually lead. Imagine leaders who lead. Ro Khanna is our guest tonight, and he is a leading one of these leaders who lead, and he is an in, inside outside fighter, uh, linking Congress where he serves, to uh, the grassroots. A uh, member of Congress from a, a, a mix of California Silicon Valley, the South Bay working class, and rural and poor communities as well. Ro Connor, thanks so much for being with us. Great to have you. It's awesome to be on. I, I love the uh, promo. You've had some amazing guests and interesting guests. Yes. Well, we always try to do that because, uh, you know, uh, the people who are really doing things are not the people who are the, the classic ones who are on TV all the time. Uh, rather, it's the people who are who are actually out there uh, doing the work. And you have certainly been one of those. I, I want to just explore a little bit with you, Ro, uh, your own history, because it's so rich and, and so important. And, uh, and most of our folks... Uh, won't be familiar with it, but you, 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 your grandparents, I guess it was, immigrated from India, uh, and and they weren't uh, just uh, India, uh, just uh, immigrants. They were people who participated in the Little D Democratic movement over there. Tell us a little bit about your family. Sure. So uh, my parents came over in the uh, 1960s. I was born in. Philadelphia uh, in 1976, or bicentenary. But my grandfather, who we're talking about, he was part of uh, India's independence movement and spent uh, years in jail with Gandhi in the 1940s and was an activist for human rights, spent 15 years as part of that. And that's, of course, uh, uh, what inspired in part uh, the Dr. King's movement here, Nelson Mandela. So he had a great influence on me. 
Oh, great, uh, great credentials uh, that you bring to it here. And, and you, uh, so you were raised in California? In Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. So I was born in, in Pennsylvania. Born in Philadelphia. You, you were, and, uh, you were a national treasure then, literally, Pennsylvania, well, now uh, in California. But you went to school in Chicago, right? Went to school in Chicago. But grew up in, uh, you know, grew up an Eagles fan, Phillies fan, Flyers, yeah, yeah, watching Rocky movies, playing Little League. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like any, like anyone who grows up in. Uh, I won't hold that against you with the Eagles fan. Well, you know, I, <laughs> I had my time in the veteran vet, vet stadium in the 700 bleacher seats. You know, was that that was an experience in itself. But uh, the uh, and then moved to um, you know my folks are still actually in uh, Pennsylvania in Bucks County, and, huh. and I I went to school in Chicago, and then after. Uh, after law school, found myself uh, in Silicon Valley, where I went out uh, to do stuff with technology. I mean, I always thought that was a such a fascinating part of the world where uh, people were inventing things, uh, uh, batteries, electric vehicles, new technology. Uh, the human genome was being uh, coded and wanted to go out and be part of that. Well, I'm, one thing that impressed me is that uh, you were a, a, a lawyer in Silicon Valley working for you know, maybe some billionaires. I don't know, but but the important thing is that you also, uh, on a pro pro bono basis, uh, went out and worked with farm workers and went out and worked with people who uh, were not making million dollar salaries. I did. I was, you know, I was very involved after Katrina at this uh, mm. place, the Mississippi Center of Justice. You, you may remember that the federal government provided money uh, to some of the. Uh, the, the people who were victims of the hurricanes, but a lot of that money was being stolen by contractors. It wasn't actually getting uh, to the people that uh, it should have. And so I did a lot of, spent a lot of time down there uh, working with the Mississippi Center of Justice on uh, contractor fraud and making sure the money was, was getting to them and did a number of other things uh, pro bono uh, in terms of uh, standing up for civil rights and uh, racial justice and amicus briefs. Uh, on housing and other policies uh, to to the uh, courts. It's the thing that we point out quite a bit here uh, on on this program uh, and in my work generally is that uh, uh, some of the most uh, progressive, uh, energetic, far-reaching work uh, being done for little d democracy in our country is being done in the most unexpected places. <laughs> it's not just. San Francisco and uh, and, and uh, New York City uh, and et cetera. It is out in the in the countryside, particularly in the South, like you were just uh, uh, reiterating uh, your own experience there. Uh, and and now that you're you've found yourself a member of Congress, you know there's there was a guy back at uh, Roe back in uh, the the early 1900s. Uh, who was a humorist, sort of a precursor of uh, of Will Rogers, yeah. named Ken Hubbard, and and he said that every now and then an innocent person gets sent to Congress. <laughs> I, I guess so, that's better yeah. than Mark Twain, who said America has only one distinctive criminal cap class right. in the United States Congress. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you're innocent, but not innocent uh, in, in the ways of the world. Uh, you're innocent in terms of uh, trying to stand up for people. In fact. As, as I understand, you're one of only six members of Congress, six, is that right? Six yeah, yeah. members of Congress who do not accept 
uh, PAC contributions of right. corporations. Right. Or PAC contribution period. Yeah, but yeah. and you know, I don't, and I never have, never taken a dime of it. But I, you know, I happen to represent a district that uh, has people who have done well. I think the challenge is not just to get people to take a voluntary pledge like me. The challenge is to get this special interest money out of politics. And one of the things I've been strongly leading on is the idea of democracy dollars. Make every voter a donor, meaning give everyone a hundred bucks that they can spend on public campaigns to dwarf out the uh, big money. Uh, and uh, until we do that, we really have a very challenging system where you get things like what happened with the carried interest loophole. Here, here's what I don't get. Oh, I represent more billionaires than probably any other member in Congress. And I am saying tax the billionaires, tax the carried interest, but tax more, have a wealth tax. How is this a hard vote for anyone else? I mean, find me a district with more billionaires and okay, then you can argue. But the guy representing all yeah. the billionaires yeah. is saying tax yeah. that yeah. they keep sending back. Well, let me point out uh, for people who don't know the carried interest, that's a technical right. Wall Street uh, and, and Washington kind of kind of term. But what it is, is a taxation loophole that allows uh, uh, extraordinarily rich people uh, to be able to uh, to make money off of their money without it being taxed. Uh, which yeah, is, well, Jim, it's let me try a simple way. So you you know you, right. you make revenue or you make money as a firefighter, as a teacher. You right, you you pay tax. Now, right. if you put a hundred bucks into a company uh, and you make uh, some money off that, or you hundred bucks into something, you'll pay less tax, a capital gains tax. That's okay. Whether that's fair or not, we can discuss. But these folks are making a ton of money. They're getting a lower tax rate than teachers and uh, to and 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 nurses, and they're not putting in any of their own money. They're putting other people's money in. They're just <laughs> managing that, and they're getting uh, a tax rate less than what teachers and nurses pay. So it's a total total boondoggle. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know the, the the only reason it stays in every politician campaigns against it, and then somehow they always find the someone to block it at the last minute, and that's because they have so much money. And that was a uh, cinema in this uh, particular round of, of fights. Uh, U.S. Senator, uh, purported Democrat uh, from Arizona, uh, who has been a, a bane uh, in the uh, existence, a, a roadblock on the road to progress uh, that uh, Democrats like Ro Khanna are trying to fight uh, for. But yet, you know, that very same bill where, where that, that provision that was in it to, to tax uh, those uh, that carried interest uh, privileged people uh, got got excluded from it thanks to cinema but uh, yet that bill has a lot of good stuff in it uh, you know our, our pal Bernie Sanders and by the way Ro Khanna was the uh, uh, national co-chair of Bernie Sanders uh, presidential campaign. Not uh, quite as like, important as your role, Jim, in, in getting Bernie Texas as much as <laughs> but, but I was proud. We all do our part. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you, they, you know, I called, I, I was talking to, to Bernie and some of the folks around him, and I said, well, who, who's there in Texas as part of the movement? And they kept saying, Jim, I said, he couldn't have been responsible for all 30% that Bernie got. There's got to be someone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are many, many people. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, uh, You're being uh, humble. Little, they said all I'm, roads no, go through I'm, Jim. I'm, I'm just a little stick of dynamite. <laughs> you know, they said, trying to fire up uh, other people, and, uh, and, and people are ready to be fired up. They Don't are. you find that? In, in, 
I know in your own district, but also you do a lot of, you travel the country. Uh, as, as I said earlier, you're an inside player within Congress, but you're also an outside player relating to the grassroots. Uh, and, and talk a little bit about that, uh, because the Democratic Party seems confused as to whether it ought to be a grassroots party or an inside Washington party. Well, Jim, I was just, uh, let me talk about where I've been traveling. I was in uh, Anderson, Indiana, or Newcastle, Indiana, and Janesville, Wisconsin, Dubuque, Iowa. I went to factory towns. Let me tell you yeah. some of the stuff I heard, because I think I think it would do our party good to have more folks to show up in these communities and listen, not talk, not announce themselves, just listen. And one person, Fred, came up to me in Newcastle, Indiana with a binder about this thick. Plant closure after plant closure. All of the documented pictures of every plant that had closed in the last 20 to 30 years. And he said, you know what this means? It's not just the loss of jobs. And this is, I think, what people sometimes miss. It was divorces, because when folks got laid off those plants, you know, sometimes one person had to go work somewhere else to find work, and the spouse didn't want to move, and the family got torn apart. It meant suicides. People, people had brought to me notes that they had saved or copies of things, of, of suicide notes that people had written when those plants closed. They, it meant the total lack of community. Folks knew these folks. They, they were celebrating Christmas together, holidays together. And the sad thing is they say our kids, we're still telling our kids to leave. There are no new yeah. jobs in these communities. Whoever thought, and it was both parties that thought that it would be a good idea for pure corporate greed to offshore all our production, that was about the dumbest strategy that you could have as the United States of America. Who does that? I mean, we, we, we didn't invent the car, we mass produced it. We didn't invent the jet engine, we mass produced it. And then we think it doesn't matter to make masks in this country, to make baby formula in this country. And we're paying the consequence and we've destroyed communities and they're angry and they should be angry. Yeah, Ro Khanna, member of Congress from the Silicon Valley. Yet Ro Khanna is also, you know, I, I grew up in the Red River Valley of Texas <laughs> uh, among a bunch of dirt farmers, basically. <laughs> uh, and, but honest people, hardworking people, straightforward people. Uh, and Rokana uh, from the Silicon Valley, San Francisco area, serves on the Agriculture Committee of the Congress of, of the United States. What, what have you learned there? Well, I got on the Agriculture Committee because I was passionate about how do we get these jobs from Silicon Valley and tech jobs and new manufacturing jobs across the country. It turns out that the Ag Department has jurisdiction over rural broadband. I would never have thought of Hello. that. But yep. that's why I got on, because a lot of the economic development was all through the Ag right. Committee. Uh, and so I've, I've learned that there are a lot of parts of our country that are still not connected to the Internet. I've learned how hard it is for family farmers. I mean, they've, they've been basically uh, blocked out by these large agribusinesses, these CAFOs that uh, have uh, pushed the family farmers uh, out, where family farmers sometimes aren't even making their costs back. Uh, right. And... Uh, uh, I, and it's sad to see a lot of times the, 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 the factory farms are owned by people who don't even live in the community and they're uh, polluting the drinking water or having, uh, having no concern for the local community because they have no accountability. Yeah, the, the biggest farmer in America is uh, Bill Gates. Uh, he owns 240,000 acres. I did not know. Farmland. Yeah. Farmland. He just, he just bought another 2,100 acres up in North Dakota. Uh, you know, and, and North Dakota has an anti-corporate farming law. 
so his corporation through which he bought uh, this farmland uh, should not be allowed to be a farmer in North Dakota under the law. But the Republican Attorney General was persuaded to declare Bill Gates a farmer. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I had no idea about that. You know, yeah. people may say, well, why does this guy who represents Silicon Valley care? Why, why am I out there in these communities? And it's not just because I grew up in a suburban Pennsylvania. It's because fundamentally, I don't believe that the way our country is going is going to have uh, a, a strong democracy if half this country in places like Silicon Valley and New York have all of this prosperity and if we just watch silently our places across America have been totally deindustrialized, totally left out, and the young folks there don't have the same uh, opportunities. You know, you referenced Will Rogers. He used to call a producer's democracy. That was his term. He said, you had to have everyone produce. You had to have everyone live up to their potential. In my district, people are very optimistic about America. They think the American dream is alive and well. But the only shot we have is to recognize that we made a huge mistake, that we shouldn't have had this unfettered globalization, that we shouldn't have had, you know, capitalism run amok with corporations go wherever they want, that we needed a destroyed community. And when you have someone from Silicon Valley who's gone to a bunch of these fancy schools say, it's okay to be have economic patriotism. We, we should root for jobs coming here. We should have a tax on these companies that offshore that people say, okay, yeah. You know, and this guy, he's he's been to the, the quote unquote fancy schools and he's, and he's saying that what we've been saying for the past 40 years was right and that the parties were wrong and that the, the this offshoring of production has really hurt us uh, economically. It's it's pulling us apart. And, and by the way, it's hurting us in continuing to lead as an economic uh, power. This is Ro Khanna. He's a member of Congress uh, from Silicon Valley area of, uh, of California, but he's a member of Congress who fights for ordinary working stiffs. Uh, and that's why he's on our uh, show tonight. Tell us what you think of uh, what Roe is talking about here, whether you've had your own experience uh, in this, uh, uh, this world of uh, inequality uh, in, in, in which a few are doing extremely well uh, and a whole bunch are, are not doing well at all, basically treading water, uh, and some are sinking. Uh, th that's that's the big issue facing America, in my view, uh, in the long haul. Yeah, is right. It's too few people control too much of the money and power, and and that's got to change, and that will only change if we, the ordinary people, uh, begin to take the kind of steps that Roe is talking about here, and to build a politics at a grassroots level. Uh, that will that will take on uh, those moneyed elites, you know. Uh, and and it, it's so important what Ro just said to, to me, uh, which is that uh, the that that farmers uh, have the same situation uh, as poor people in in our urban areas. They have the same situation as uh, as, as rural poor throughout the, the South and the Midwest and et cetera. They have the same situation as students to trying to make a go of it. Same situation as elderly people facing medical bills uh, and, and et cetera. The same and Jesse Jackson said it well, yeah. uh, what, 40, 50 years ago. We might not all come over on the same boat, but we're in the same boat now. That's a powerful <laughs> reality, bro, if we put it together. He was absolutely right. It's... Uh... You've had, with, with jobs leaving, you've had people in uh, some of the urban centers, uh, African-Americans, 
uh, face the same despair, the same destruction of community that today you feel see in white rural communities, in uh, uh, factory towns, which are predominantly white. And that's why I think you can have a coalition of folks across race, across gender, across religion, saying uh, we have not uh, had a fair shot. You know, it's factual. This is not anecdotal. Let me just give you one right. statistic, only one number that I think should create outrage in this country. Since 1980, the working class and middle class has lost 25% of their wealth. 25% of wealth has been taken from the working class and middle class since 1980. And then people say, well, why are they angry? Why are people angry? Of course they're, they're angry. And you know, the top 10% control 72% of the wealth in this country. How, you know, it, right. it's, it's wrong and it was decisions we made. We watched as these companies just shipped jobs offshore. We watched as they concentrated the economic gains to the top. I can tell you, there, there are a lot of things they can call me. They can't call me a socialist because my district has $10 trillion of wealth. And I'll tell you something, it's, it's, we're, we're making more money in America than we've ever made before. More money than ever before. It is appalling the conditions of the, of the working and middle class. It's appalling that kids are graduating with $30,000 in debt. It's appalling that people go into medical debt in this country to have a baby or to have a medical procedure. It is appalling that we can't give a living wage to the folks who are working at Burger King and, and, and working at fast food restaurants. It is unconscionable that every young person in this country can't get a preschool education, something they did in France in 1890. In 1890, they had universal preschool. And we're living in the richest country at the richest moment for that country where they've got more billionaires than they know what to do with in parts of my zip code in, in my district. It is so and, so, and right. by the way, Deanna's going to bring in some, some people, their comments that they've got. But I would add to your pointing out about the, the French uh, preschool, et cetera. We had it in America, too, in the 1940s and 1950s. Uh, it's not something that's un, unsuitable for America. We have been pioneers in this. We've just got to bring it back. Deanna, talk to us about folks. Holy cow. My favorite thing about the role that I play on this show is getting to watch all of the little hearts and happy faces go up on the screen every time people uh, are agreeing and happy and all of this stuff. That's um, better than Twitter. Great huh? Twitter, you just get criticized. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so much better than Twitter. Oh, my God. Uh, it is fantastic. I do want to give a shout out. We have people all over the country as usual. Hightower knows this is my favorite part. It's like romper room. We got Colorado. We got California. We got Eastern New York State, upstate Florida, Oregon, Ohio, also Texas. And so far, furthest away is England. Somebody stayed up late in England to watch mm. us tonight. So mm. that's fantastic. Um, while I'm here, I also just want to do a quick couple of shout outs to ourselves. Um, if you would like to hear more from Hightower, you can absolutely do that. Do you know how you can do that, Hightower? I don't, but I sure would like to know. <laughs> So glad you asked. You could go to hightowerlowdown.org slash email and sign up for our regular, nearly weekly email that we send out. If you are watching this later and you would like to share this show with your friends, you can go to hightowerlowdown.org slash chat and chew and you'll find all of our episodes, including this one at the show uh, uh, on the website. And um, I am going to drop back out again. 
take it away. Tell us more about everything. <laughs> right. Well, well, I, I want to explore now with Roe uh, because the, the Democrats have, have, have taken the step forward uh, in, in the last uh, week or so with the passage of this uh, big piece of legislation. And little known is the fact uh, that Roe Kona uh, played a role in this because surprisingly, to me at least, uh, one of Roe Kona's buddies, maybe that's going too far, I don't know, we'll ask, is Joe Manchin, the, 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 the coal magnet <laughs> Democrat uh, from West Virginia. who has There's all the smiley considered- faces. who's not generally considered uh, on the progressive uh, side of things in fact uh, we'll put put up a little little picture here of of joe not of joe but of where he lives in washington Uh, you may know there there i am waving uh from the uh, capital uh yacht club (laughs) just in the tidal basin of Washington, D.C., uh, just blocks from the U.S. Capitol. And you'll see that little flag on that boat way up there. That is Joe Manchin's yacht. He lives on a yacht in the tidal basin in Washington, D.C., staffed uh, by all sorts of uh, servants or whatever. And he's got some sort of a car. I don't know if it's a Jaguar or what, but it drives him on those uh, six blocks or so that he has to go from the yacht to the Capitol. Anyway, he's taken care of. He seems to always be taking care of himself. Yet, Ro Khanna has got a different, a little bit different picture of, uh, of Joe Manchin and has been instrumental in getting Manchin to go ahead and just bite the bullet and, and be a little bit of a small D Democrat. Well, Jim, I uh, got, went into Beckley because when I was doing uh, let's get tech jobs into different parts of the country, I wanted to go to Beckley, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. I know, knew Gordon G there, and that's how I got to know Manchin Makes in sense. 2017. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when the deals fell apart in 2021, and Manchin called me on 2022, New Year's Day, he said, I still want to do something. I, 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 I want to spend money on, on climate and I'm for all the innovation parts. I'm not for the sticks. But I said to I, I said to folks, I said, look, I was in the Obama administration in 2008 to 2010. And when we didn't get climate done, it was devastating. And now it's 12 years later and we have the presidency, the House and the Senate and we don't get something done here. And we again don't get climate done it's going to be a disaster. And so I'm going to do whatever I can to try to get something substantial. And I told Senator Manchin, I said, you have to be for the big spending on solar, on wind, on batteries, on geothermal, on all the renewables. And if you're over the 300 billion number, and if you don't got the tax credits and the massive investment in climate, the largest ever, then there's going to be room for compromise. I mean, look, I want universal childcare. We've talked about preschool, but I understand we're not going to get everything. Uh, let's just come up with at least this. Now, there are parts in there that have been added that, uh, you know, I'm not thrilled with in terms of cuts to some of the funding for environmental justice, in terms of the prioritization of certain projects that uh, if we don't fix or if we're not careful could lead uh, to more uh, things like Mountain Valley Pipeline being approved, which I oppose. But overall, overall, this is at least going to put us in the direction of getting solar manufacturing, wind manufacturing, uh, renewable energy in, in America. And it's, it's a down payment, a 10% down payment, but that's better than zero.
Yes, and that's. Uh, I, I want to probe you just a little bit there yeah. because you, you mentioned one thing uh, that is particularly irritating uh, to me uh, that happened. Uh, that that a part of the price of getting Mansion, not not by you, but by the Democrats generally, of, of getting Mansion on board to support these generally good things, uh, is uh, the allowing of that uh, Mountain Valley pipeline. Uh, to go through West Virginia, not because just I, I'm not angry just about. I mean, pipelines are all over this damn country, you know, and and that's that's a huge fight for me. Uh, but this particular uh, one uh, is is going through an area that had defeated it, yep. uh, but because the grassroots people, grassroots environmental movement had managed to stop that pipeline. And th this is an area of the country. I, I don't know, you know, a lot of people aren't, aren't quite aware. You think of the mountains of West Virginia, they're beautiful, mountain home, take me home, you know, et cetera. Uh, but but uh, the, the, the mountaintop removal uh, explosion of, of, of that state uh, by coal giants. Uh, the, I think of John Prime's song about Paradise Lost and, and so so much about that. Hard hit people fighting hard uh, and, and been exploited uh, by these corporations uh, and, and the, the, the people in the environment been exploited and still are being exploited to some degree. Uh, but, but the important thing to me is that when grassroots people actually stand up and, and make a stand, uh, then we need to stand with them. But, you know, here we are in a situation in which we were getting benefits on the other side from Manchin, getting out of the way of preventing benefits, uh, but we had to give him this pipeline. Can, have you any sense of, of the anger that those grassroots people, environmental fighters in West Virginia have? I do, because I chair the environment subcommittee, and actually just coincidentally today at 4 o'clock, I had a call with 15 environmental groups and some of the lawyers and some of the folks who actually are from those communities who were fighting uh, the pipeline, and they said, bro, we won. We won in court. We won. We finally, we mobilized everyone, and we won. And what the side deal with Schumer would do, not the Inflation Reduction Act, but the side deal, if that permitting becomes law, is basically hand uh, change the law, change after the activists have won, it would change the law and allow Mountain View Valley Pipeline to be built, even because the court's uh, decisions won't be enforceable if the law changes. So we we don't have to accept the uh, significant uh, gutting of the National Environmental Protection Act, that is NEPA, that would make uh, Mountain Valley Pipeline a, a uh, a reality. I mean, there are other compromises in the bill uh, that we have, are going to have to accept this time, and that is, you know, the sale of oil and uh, a, a gas leases for every renewable lease. I don't love that, obviously, but if we can stop the permitting, that's not uh, as bad if, if we have control over the permitting. But on the side deal, if we uh, allow uh, NEPA to be gutted and, and changed and have just a two-year requirement on any any project and make it such that priority projects can go through in an expedited way, uh, you know, that's not just hurting the Mountain Valley Pipeline, that's hurting community activists across America. And, and it's not, that's not something I, I support, and that's not, uh, that's not in this bill we're voting on Friday. Yeah, well, that's, that, that, that is the, the challenge for Democrats, and the good news is 
that we go back to those communities. I mean, it's, it's, we, we can't just say, oh, well, you lost. You, you won, but you lost. A farmer friend of mine, back, back when Bill Clinton was doing NAFTA and all that stuff, he, uh, he said, you know, I don't mind losing when we lose, but I hate losing when we win. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, so they won. And then it turns out they, they've lost, but they haven't lost, lost. The fight goes on. Fight goes uh, on, and, and, and the fight's going to be on the permitting stuff, yeah. yeah. And the important thing is, though, is, is in, in terms of our topic tonight, whether the Democratic Party, we need to be out there. Uh, you're doing it, but we've got to take some of your colleagues and get out there into those areas. They never see Democrats. Uh, they, 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 don't, they don't know that, that, that we're fighting for them, and too often not, we're, we're not. Uh, so, uh, so I think it's important, and, in, and indeed the passage of this bill, uh, this bill uh, which has so much good in it for, uh, for drug prices, uh, and et cetera, things we can talk about uh, yet uh, here this evening. Uh, but uh, but we, we, we've got, to, but Joe Biden needs to get on a train like Harry Truman and go across this country. He needs to sign that bill. I said that. I said that to them, and they say he's planning on doing it. So let's see. Mm -hmm. but, well, it's got to be more than a gesture, you know, more than a stunt. And it, uh, yeah, and it's got to be in these communities. You know, one of the things I was going to Newcastle, Indiana, and my colleague said, "Well, why are you going there? It's a red state. We're never going to win it back." And Newcastle is a seventy-five percent Republican district by Greg Pence. I said, "I'm going there precisely because of that because we can't do yes. every maneuver." based on politics. And, you know, I was talking about the steel workers and, uh, and, and I'm talking about how we got to make steel in America again and, and have the government help with businesses. You know, that was FDR, a victory of production. He basically right. set up industry in America. That was the Democrats. Totally. And, and, yeah. and, and, and here's what, so there was, someone was with me, a reporter, and, and, and stayed back and asked them, uh, yeah, what do you think of this guy? It's an Indian-American guy from the Valley, and he's talking about making steel. And this guy who said, oh, I, you know, I, I, I was for Trump. I, I thought that make it in America thing was a Trump thing. I didn't realize Democrats were for make it in America. And I said, <laughs> well, if we're not going to show up, if we're not going to talk, then of course they're not going to think that. So we've got to go into these communities with humility. We've got to go into these communities. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. That that we made mistakes as a party. NAFTA, most favored nation status to China. We went from an okay. 80 billion trade deficit to China to now 350 billion dollars directly because of most favored nation status. And let me say this, because I am a man of peace. I want peace. I don't want a cold war with China, but I'll tell you something. What will cause instability in war is the trade deficit. If you look at the cause of the opium wars in the early 1800s, when Britain was wrong to invade China, it was because China wasn't buying anything from the West. Britain took Indian opium and sent it to China. They were totally wrong to do it. But the point of that whole thing is you can't have these kind of structural trade deficits or you breed resentment. We need to rebalance production. And these folks in these communities who lost plant after plant, factory after factory, while both parties basically said free trade, free trade, let's just, who cares if we're producing it? We just want the Nobel laureates here, let's just invent it. That was insulting. And then, th right. then we said, just go move to the jobs as if a hometown didn't matter, as if the community yeah. didn't matter. So you got to exactly. start by just saying we were wrong. We, not because like, you know, now we're smart, smarter than the people in the past, just admit that we made mistakes in the country. If we don't admit that we were wrong, they're not going to hear us about going forward. And then we could say, 
here's what we're going to do to bring the new factories, to make sure that we can make masks in America, to make sure workers are going to have wages. Right. And, I, and I think we can win over some of these people in these communities. I agree. I just want to jump in here real quick and say you're getting a lot of props for this stuff in the comments. Uh, a lot of people completely agree. And, and this is something that uh, that we work on at the Hightower Lowdown. You can check out our new issue of the Hightower Lowdown, uh, hightowerlowdown.org, like I said before, um, is all about what is happening in rural America. And for the record, rural doesn't automatically equal white. We know that 25% of rural communities these days are people of color so yay for that um i also want to just uh talk a little bit about that um and some of the questions that are coming up are, are a little bit about that that relationship between um grassroots organizers who are out there door knocking yes. who are out there um building some of these relationships mm -hmm. this is uh some photos from our friends um at pierce county grow in uh, wisconsin in western wisconsin they've been doing a ton of canvassing and door knocking out there um, uh, the photo on the left I particularly love because this is a, an educational event that they did on gerrymandering called Mappy Hour. Uh, Mappy Hour? Mappy? Mappy Hour. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. You got to have a sense um, of humor. <laughs> you really do. There are people, um, and, and we've gotten to know them uh, over the last few months. They're doing, doing really great work. And Representative, if you could speak to a little bit about that, about doing um, that hard work of the door knocking, of going out there, like where are the Democrats and how how are we, how do we as everyday people help change the party and help change the party's perspective away from, you know, these kind of media consultants and, uh, you know, power brokers in D.C. And, and to people like, you know, what's happening in Pierce County, Wisconsin. Well, first of all, the people who are doing that. They're, they're the, uh, the hope for the party. They're the ones doing the hard work. They're the ones who are going to change the conversation. And here's what happens when you do that. You would never come up with a slogan like build back better. I mean, Jim, who talks like that at a bar? At, 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 okay, yeah, what we really need to do, Jim, is build back better. No, you say what we really need to do is make more stuff in America. Okay, there you go. Yeah, right. That'd be that there slogan, you go. right? Why can't we just talk like real people talk? And, so good. Exactly know, right. And and I think when you're out there in the community and you're listening to people and you're hearing people, they then you get the message. Then you understand what the message is, as opposed to this top down, you poll, you you ask for words, you have consultants come up with the message. That's because that's not going to be in touch. You got to talk to people. You got to use right. the language uh, that people use and, and to, to connect. And so what folks are doing, but, but, but the problem is they're doing it with no support. They're doing it uh, by themselves. And instead of building, what we ought to be doing is building the county parties, building the state legislature, yes. building the grassroots organization. One of the things I've suggested the White House, they don't take my advice is, look, there are probably a thousand county parties across America. Why don't we do a weekly conference call with all the chairs of those thousand county parties so that they're getting their feedback and they're getting some of the, the, the things that we're doing. And then that's filtering down. I'd rather that than put all of the resources just in the the consultant class. Consultants. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. Kill all the consultants. No, no, not kill them, but decommission them. <laughs> let's let's say that. But you know, and and you're missing that. There's a great example of it uh, that's relevant to our conversation here tonight, and that is West Virginia. Uh, the people of West Virginia have spent the last six years organizing to take over 
the Democratic Party yeah. at a grassroots level, because uh, Joe Manchin has control of the Democratic Party, giving him the power. It literally, uh, I, they got a fifty, I think, fifty-five member state executive committee of the Democratic Party. It, it, every seat belonged to him, it, loyal to him, uh, and uh, and so then he controlled who could run for any Democratic office in the state. You couldn't run for state representative without Manchin's blessing, uh, which meant the coal company uh, blessing more often than not. Uh, yet in, in the last six years, these people, just grassroots folks, they, they are not important people in, in terms of credentials or money and et cetera. They're just regular people. And they went out and they organized and they organized and they organized and they fought and they lost, they fought and they lost, they fought. And now they won. Last year, they won. This year, I'm sorry, this year they have won. They have taken over all but one of the state uh, offices of the Democratic Party uh, and control the the majority, of, and, and I think it's the vast majority, of the executive committee of the Democratic Party. That is going to change politics in that state because regular people, uh, different people, uh, who are not obligated to coal interests or any other money interests are going to be able to run and that's going to build and they're doing it smartly. They're, they're not starting out by saying, well, we'll take over the governorship or we'll take over the Senate. Uh, no, no, they're going to take over those county commissions. They're going to take over those mayorships and city council positions uh, throughout the community. That's how you build a real party. It's a, it's a long, it's a tedious, it's a hard process, but it's the most rewarding process because it's honest. And, and that's... Yeah, and, and, you're 100 percent right. In fact, they reached out to me, and I'm going there on, uh, I think, October 8th to to go uh, speak at one of the county parties that they've taken over in West Virginia, and that th they they've done the hard work. And you know, that's not just happening in West Virginia. Judith Whitmer did right. it in Nevada. Uh, you know, we've we've had people do it now in in other states, and and they're doing it at county parties. And you're right, that is the foundation. You want Medicare for all. You want free public college. You want stronger unions you want to make sure that we get uh, a, a living wage the way to actually build uh, the power is not just to spontaneously do it in a presidential campaign it's to do it in building the county parties the state parties and in, in, in becoming part the taking back the party uh, and uh, that's how we'll succeed and let me just say that as Dro says that is happening uh, Roe and my friends, uh, Larry Cohen, uh, who's a former president of the Communication Workers of America, great Democratic fighter, is a leader in this uh, Democratic Party reform movement all across uh, the country and making great strides. Uh, and our friend uh, Jane Clebb, yeah. who is the Democratic Party chair in Nebraska, Nebraska, uh, is and fighting pipelines. I mean, putting together coalitions of Farmers and Native Americans and environmentalists and workers. And I said, I mean, it just the, the kind of gritty work that you know, history is going to write about later on, but it's happening right now. Uh, and, and you can be a part of that wherever you are. There, there's some effort like this. And the and this group, uh, Our Revolution, uh, that Larry Cohen is the uh, chair of the board of, uh, they're, they're the one group in America progressive group that is making a priority of these uh, Democratic Party reforms yeah. to, to try to 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 move little d democracy <laughs> into uh, the Democratic Party. So that's uh, and we can put up and uh, uh, 
URL because that's an initial dump she'd be using. Yes. <laughs> Look, I yeah, you did it. I did it right. URL. Get your URL together. And and connect up uh, with our revolution uh, who will help you in your local area, your, your very county where you are, in your town where you are, uh, to help uh, democratize the Democratic Party. That's, that, that is a, a first step. It's not the only step, but it's a first step that we have to take uh, to, to actually build a little deep uh, FDR style, Eleanor Roosevelt style democracy uh, in America. Talk to us, Deanna. Oh, loads of stuff. Lots of love. Lots of love from the comments. Um, uh, absolutely necessary because the GOP's playbook has been to take over as many local positions as possible. Also, if someone points out, look at what Beto's doing. Look at how Beto is changing Texas. But where did Beto get that idea to go to every county in mm. Texas? Hightower, where did he? Oh, did he? From you? Uh, from Meccan? I, I hate yeah. it. I was at I that him. meeting. Yeah, <laughs> what other good ideas do you have? You know? <laughs> oh my God. They involve beer. Yeah, right. um, one good idea that I have, though, that I, I must, I must, must share with you all is that some of the folks that we're, we mentioned, we've talked about Larry Cohen, we talked about Jane Club, we've talked about some incredible activists and, and all kinds of people that have been on this yes. show. And how does this show get supported? How does this show get produced? Only because we don't take advertising, we don't take government money, we don't take funding, we don't take big grants, we don't take anything like that as an entirely reader and watcher and listener supported operation, the entire Hightower operation, all nonprofit. So you can make a donation is what I am Thank about you. to say. You can help us out. Uh, you can have an impact and help us reach uh, the people that we're talking about right now and bring um, all of us into the fold and into the conversation together. You can go to HightowerLowdown.org slash donate. Um, and if you ever have any problems with any of that stuff or anything else in Hightower land, you can email me, Deanna, at JimHightower.com. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate your support and your love. And if you have something you can chip in the hat that is sitting on Hightower's head right now, we would much appreciate it. Thank you. I'll disappear now. Beautiful, Deanna. Thank you so much. Well, Ro, it's it, it's so encouraging uh, to talk to you. Just just share with your general thoughts. I mean, uh, it, it's so easy to be depressed these days uh, by, of course, the right wing uh, stuff that's going on, uh, but but also to some degree by the pusillanimous. That's a clean word, believe it or not. You can look it up. Uh, attitude of, of, of the democratic establishment. Yet, uh, I, I, I sense, I, I certainly feel it, and I sense that you do as well, uh, that we're not without hope, uh, that, that we might get there, might get there with something big. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, uh, partly seeing how close Bernie Sanders came. And people forget they want yes. to erase the 2020 election. I remember after Nevada thinking uh, we oh, were yeah. going to be helping him. Uh, in the White House. I mean, he won the first three states. And usually, if it was anyone else, they would have given him the nomination. He would go no, back. I don't, I can't think of another person who won the first three contests and then was denied the nomination. But the point is, he got almost all the way up the mountaintop. And that wasn't because of Bernie, that was because of all of you and people in who are watching the show. And then you look at the people and you look at the organizing and you look at what's happening on climate and you look at finally people saying that we need workers' rights, and you look at workers organizing across this country, and you recognize people saying, yeah, we got to make stuff in America again. 
in people who are saying that it's no longer possible to have the medical debt that we do and we need to cancel that. We need to have uh, tuition-free uh, college. And the debate has totally changed. And I guess uh, as a student of American history, I say, look, this is a country that's had a, a lot of challenges, but we did defeat slavery. We did defeat uh, the uh, Nazism. We did defeat uh, uh, Jim Crow. We did defeat uh, uh, communism. And, and it's a resilient country. And I have no doubt that with people organized and this next generation that we're going to emerge as as having uh, a multiracial, multi-ethnic democracy and taking back our country and having a, a people-powered movement. And you're you're seeing already people taking back the parties. So uh, it's not it's not Bernie though he deserves credit. It's not those of us in Congress. It's people yeah. on the ground. Right. And that's building all across America. So uh, we're, we're so encouraged and we're, we're so grateful that you would join us here tonight, uh, Ro, but, uh, but most importantly, uh, that we team up yes, uh, and, and keep in this fight together uh, and, and, and reach out and bring other, you know, allies. In, there, there may be, you know, a few other members of the Congress that you know that, uh, that would like to be a little bolder than they have been, uh, and, and we can help them get into this uh, fight uh, and because it takes all of us uh, to, to, to make this uh, uh, democracy is a mess. You know, I mean, uh, we're not a corporation. We can't just say, you go do that. You go do that. You know, we, we have to, we have to get people to get involved uh, on the basis of something bigger than themselves. Uh, and, and that, that can be, that can be, you know, we're not promising you, uh, you know, to, you're going to be a millionaire. Uh, but we're promising that you might be a millionaire in terms of democratic values and you might build a country uh, that your children and grandchildren uh, would want to be a part of. So that that's what we're about. Ro Khanna, thank you so much for what you're doing and thanks for being with us. And we're going to keep joining with you in this fight. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for being a voice that's inspiring many people uh, across the country. And you know, everyone, every progressive in in Congress knows uh, Jim Hightower and knows uh, uh, what you're doing. So thank you for all your work. And Deanna, thank you uh, to you as well. Keep at them. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks all of you for joining the Chat and Chew. We'll be back, oh, in a few weeks with another one of these things. Yeah, we keep fighting. Whatever goes on, we're in the fight.